This is Mamsie's Humanity First Podcast. I am Chris Ryan. It is time for our most favorite podcast of the month. That is our Ask the CEO podcast. And if you have questions for our Ask the CEO podcast um, in the future, you can email askceo at bamsey.org. Welcome in Bamsey's CEO, Peter Evers. Peter, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. How are you doing? Good. Appreciate you doing this. So I want to start with with this. We have our first question is in regard to communication. And it asks, in what ways do you think Bamsey can improve its communication between supervisors, employees, and, and management? Well, it's, it's a great question, Chris, and it's one that we've been sort of struggling with. I guess I would start by saying that no organization that I know of has ever nailed the, the, the uh, conundrum of communication. Um, and so somebody said to me once, oh, I wish all the um, employees were in one large building so communication would be easier. I don't know about that. But I do know that we're a very diverse organization, um, geographically, culturally, uh, discipline-wise, and you know that that is our strength. One of the difficulties is how do we continue to communicate with people on a regular basis? And communication has so many different facets. You know, how do people get information that is consistent? How does information change when it um, when it goes along the communication line? Yeah. What are the main messages that we as an organization want to get out to people? And how do people receive communication? You know, I think you, you and I have had this conversation before. Um, the admin staff are in front of their computers uh, all the time. Therefore, email is right at their fingertips. And um, I mean, uh, yeah, anybody who watches their email all day will see, you know, a hundred emails come through, but um, in in real time. Now, if you're on the floor, if you're um, if you're working on a one on one to one uh, with a person served, um, it's rather more difficult to see your email. So when people say, "Oh, you know, people don't read their email in the field," there's a reason for that. Um, so how do we make sure that that communication gets to people uh, in other ways? And so we look at Shiftboard. We look at uh, the communication log. We look at the responsibility, as you alluded to just then, Chris, of each uh, level of supervision, making sure that that message gets through. Um, you know, our communications people did some work with uh, the field, which is granted a while ago now. Uh, in fact, it was just before COVID. And people said, I want to hear information about the organization directly from my supervisor. That's where the trust, that's where the relationship is, is strongest um, if things are going well, uh, and therefore making sure that we as an organization make, have a communication um, methodology that makes sure that uh, it is important that people get to hear what is going on. A couple questions off of that. Um, and you know, one is, you know, how do you determine who knows what? Because one of the worst feelings, obviously, when you're in an organization is, you know, you're you're hanging around uh, at lunch and you're like, well, did you hear this? And I no, I didn't hear that. So how do you, how do you determine like how who gets to know what information and how it gets uh, spread so that folks, you know, do have access to the the same information? Yeah, I mean, that, that actually is the crux of the of the matter. And that's why a communication strategy is so important. So um, let's take, I'll give you an example of that. Let's take somebody in the finance department who has been working for, you know, 15, 20 years, 
uh, announces they're, that they're leaving or they're retiring, right? And, you know, there might be some kind of um, internal finance goodbye, you know, or, or a party that is put on for those people. And then that person leaves and then somebody in the field uh, a leader in the field says, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that such and such left, right? So that isn't good because if, if people who are um, members of this organization uh, and are, are valued employees leave, then we should all know about it. So the communication strategy there is that our admin, and in this case, it's Michelle Yunts, um, uh, has the um, responsibility or the, the finance department has the responsibility to call Michelle and say somebody's leaving and then michelle crafts a message thanking that person for the service and letting them know where they when they leave etc cetera, etc cetera. so everybody has that as a communication um and there is a responsibility for people to get that information whether it be email or in the com log or on the shift board so it's a question of deciding what does everybody need to know and how quickly can we get that in front of them and Who's responsible for doing that? Because if you, if it's everybody's responsibility, it tends to be nobody's. Along the lines of challenging, uh, consistent, the challenge of consistent communication, we go to COVID guidelines, where one uh, listener wants to know if there's been any changes in COVID guidelines, and do you think that there's been uh, more COVID cases recently? Yeah, another great question. And I'm glad that question is being asked. And I'll add another one to that, Chris. People are saying, what are we doing about the about the mandate? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, the, the um, uh, vaccination mandate. So I'll speak to that, too. Um, yeah, I mean, everything we're hearing is is so confusing. You know, you've got a, a circuit a court judge in Florida who has determined um, through that judge's extreme knowledge of the public health that um, masks should, it, it's an overstep by the CDC to, to require masks. So we've changed. Um, the government has sort of walked that back. Um, that appeal is not going to win as far as I can make out. So um, it seems to me, and I don't know about you, but uh, out and about in the community, it's almost like COVID didn't happen. People don't, the odd person is wearing a mask in the supermarket, but for the most part, people seem to have decided um, when they're making their own choices that they won't wear a mask. And, uh, you know, we have to respect that. Um, on the other hand, we work in an organization that deals with and uh, works with people who are um, very compromised medically. Many of our staff are as well. So uh, we have not heard anything different around organizations like us in terms of relaxing any of those parameters um, that are that, that we're still working within around visitation to programs, around masking up uh, when we are uh, with persons served uh, or um, uh, folks from outside of the agency. Um, we're, we're still sticking to that. We're watching it. We're waiting to see what Department of Public Health and the Center for Disease Control are going to be saying about that. And then we're, obviously we will communicate with people as soon as we hear differently. But the lack of communication really all that's saying is that, yes, we're still testing in the programs. Uh, we're, we're still using color for our DD, uh, DDS programs. Uh, we're using... Um, uh, the um, the rapid testing, antigen testing for other programs, 
uh, we're still walking that line, Chris. We're still saying that COVID is still a thing. I will say that you know wastewater, which is one of the early indicators of um, uh, prevalence, is actually showing an optimistic view that it doesn't look like we're going to face uh, another uptick in the same way as we did in January. Um, but for the time being, we're going to stick with what we know. And actually, we can't really do anything else because our state funders um, are, are telling us that we have to continue to um, proceed with caution, I guess I would say. Did you um, touch upon the vaccine mandate portion of things as well early on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris, for uh, keeping me straight on that. Um, we um, One of the uh, asks was, um, can some of the people who... Uh, were who were no longer with us because they didn't get vaccinated come back um, now that everything is fine and we can lift the mandate um, there's a few steps in that um, in that question Chris um, there when we are, when we don't need the mandate anymore which is something that we will determine and it's we're not making that determination right now it's far too early to do that we have to play we have to see what happens with all of these um, uh, variants. Uh, but when we do, uh, and people, uh, and we feel that there is no longer a need for a mandate, then obviously we would consider um, uh, employ uh, employment applications for those people who left solely because, um, because they didn't um, get the vaccination. But right now, um, uh, we're not making that decision. We're not changing that. If you were talking to somebody that's just looked at this and said, I don't know how this, any of it makes any sense. Like the, the not wearing masks anymore in communities when, you know, we were all wearing masks initially, um, you know, relaxing vaccination. Um, what in your view is, if is there a scientific reason? Is there a medical reason for, you know, why we find ourselves where we're at this point? Is it because the vaccine is, you know, effective and we don't have to be worried about catastrophic illness? Like, how did we go from one extreme just, you know, several months ago, we meaning, you know, society as a whole, to now where it's everything's, you know, back to normal, even though COVID is still with us? Wow. Um Okay, I think there's at least four answers to that, and and they and they all lie in different realms. First of all, fatigue. I think I think there's a huge piece of this that people are just fed up, and as we as we see these variants, the consequences, and especially because what is it now? Nearly eighty percent of the population is is vaccinated in some way, but only thirty percent um, uh, got the booster. Yes, right, but 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 there has been. So it's a combination of more people being vaccinated, um, the consequences of this matching what flu might be like nowadays for the for most people. Remember, it's still killing people. And, and you know, as a on a personal note, m many members of my family in England now have COVID um, uh, because it is it it's still around. So it's not like we we've, we've moved away from it, but we are in a situation where there's fatigue. People are just really tired of the restrictions. So they're beginning to flout those laws. You have got, as I said before, a judge who has actually done much more than saying people don't have to wear masks. That judge has undermined the ability of the CDC to make public health decisions in the best interests of the of the citizenry 
or the denizens, I guess, of the United States. That is a significant issue because it means that anything else that the CDC says is going to come under the same scrutiny that that circuit court judge has put that under. So that's undermining it. As far as the medical sciences, the medical science is still saying it is in our best interest to wear masks wherever we are because it is the first and, and most efficient line of defense against uh, against infection of a potential variant that we don't know what the strength or the consequences of uh, of catching that variant are. So I think there's a lot of answers to that question. So to summarize, individuals have done a risk analysis, basically, and they have decided that it is best for them uh, to just live their lives. And if they get COVID, they get COVID. And um, and they're vaccinated. They've taken their precautions. They've you know sacrificed enough, and that public will is um, usurping any sort of uh, counter argument to that from a government or even healthcare type of perspective. I, I think so. I mean, and there is you know there is a balance in these things, right? I mean, you, let's look at China, for instance. I think that's a really good example. Now, China is not a society that I would not like to live in. I'm just you know, I guess I'm prejudging. Um, <laughs> but but here is China, who are hell bent on not having another um, outbreak, uh, another variant. So they have closed cities down. You know, there are people who don't have food in their house who are not allowed to go out to the supermarket. That kind of restriction on any society is actually going to be really damaging to people. Uh, it's damaging to business. It's da damaging to our way of life. We, as human beings, I think, have to begin to make our own decisions about the future. Uh, and we shouldn't be judging people either way, because I think we're at a point where people are tired of it. People do believe that that the consequences of getting COVID are not like they were on March the 18th, 2020. We, we are much stronger and better protected society now because of the work that we've done with vaccinations, um, you know, and the public health, the, you know, the cleaning of buildings, all of that. We've given ourselves a chance to make to, to get through this without being a China and, and locking the whole country down. The final question from today is, why will Bamsey be a better place to work five years from now than it is currently? Well, it's first of all, it's a great place to work right now. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to answer that question in the way that says that that, that we have so much to do, because uh, you know, there's 47 years of work that's gone into the to the organization that is Bamsey today. And I just want to celebrate all of that work that has gone on in the past to bring us to this position. You know, when we have conversations about where organizations are going to be in five years, it is about how you've prepared for that. It is about what your reserves are, what your equity is, what your ability to ride difficult times is. And this is, these are difficult times. You know, it is entirely possible that we will end this year with a loss, not a great loss, but we will end this this year with no margin. And the reason for that is the investments that we made in our workforce with the grand bargain uh, a few months ago with this optimism that we want to be leaders in our community and have a distinction from other agencies because we've invested in workforce, not just today, but really encouraging people to become, you know, more educated, to get more qualifications within their field so that we build the quality of service up and we become attractive 
in our community for, for people to come to work with us. All of these things are bound together. I do think that we need to diversify res revenue streams. I think that we should be thinking about doing business in different ways. That is, um, if somebody does some, something, Chris, for us and they make money doing that, let's consider doing it ourselves. You know, uh, and the uh, pharmacy is a great example of that. You know, uh, providing our own pharmacy gives us control over the quality of the product that we're delivering to our per person served. But it also gives us the ability to make margin, uh, especially with the 340B application for uh, providing medications in the HIV world. Uh, that, that margin goes directly back into service delivery of some of those services that don't pay as well as others do and doesn't mean that they're any less worthy or worthwhile doing, but it equals, it gives us more resources to put into those, uh, into those um, services that we're not making money on. And it makes us be able to you know, have houses that people live in that are better than anyone else's. And they are. Bamsi, I can tell you, as a former government official, um, Bamsi houses are the best houses I've ever been in because of the pride in which our agency puts into providing a living environment and experiences for people that is second to none. Uh, continuing that kind of philosophy of being best, continuing a philosophy that which is don't waste money every penny we spend we should be thinking about why why are we spending that money is it wages and salaries so that we're competitive and 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 recognizing all of our staff for the wonderful work that they do is it going into our into our uh, uh, houses into our fixtures and fittings into our IT capabilities so that we communicate better um, that's the vision I think that I have which is all based on excellence efficiency and the ability to deliver a product in a way uh, that is better than anyone else. Why shouldn't we strive to be the absolute best provider? Because, you know, we're nearly there anyway. So that's what I would say uh, is, it, is why it is best to, to be with us. And I always say this at orientation every week, that we have people that come back to Bamsey. So obviously people leave. They leave for lots of different reasons. They go, you know, and find uh, other qualifications. Sometimes during COVID, they had to go and look after their kids. But when they come back, it is a sign that this agency is some is an agency that has invested in people and people respect and understand that we're an organization that can be trusted uh, and that will work with people to be the very best that we can be. Yeah, getting back to you know the homes for a second, I mean the quality is a big word with Bamsey. And you walk into one of those homes and it is a place that any person would be comfortable living in. And I think that's, you know, that can't always be said, as you know. Um, and, you know, people deserve to be treated with respect. They deserve to be treated um, with, uh, you know, a, um, with a with a measure of equality. And that is clear within our, our homes, that it is a, a home that anybody would be comfortable with. Yeah. And that's why we put so much emphasis on our quality and improvement department. And, you know, quality is, is not anyone's responsibility. It's everybody's. And, and that idea of, you know, again, one of the things we say at, uh, at orientation is, look, you're a new person coming into a system. We're not a perfect system, but we strive for that. If you see things that aren't um, exactly as you've been told they are, if you see... Um, ways of doing things that you think could be done better speak up because you know coming from different places 
other people have better ideas than us sometimes. And that idea of conversation around getting towards as good as you can be is what quality is all about. And, um, you know, the previous leadership from this organization said right from the get-go, if we're going to provide homes for people, um, then we're going to do it in a way that is second to none and we're going to build the best. And it isn't, it's not like price is no option, but developing relationships with contractors, people that you trust, um, making sure that you use your dollars in the best way ends up with a reputation. And, you know, and a reputation is a difficult thing to get. Um, it's, it's easy to lose. Um, and we need to continue in that direction of providing the best. Well, that was Bamsey's Humanity First podcast for this week. If you'd like to have Pete's, uh, Peter answer your question in next month's edition of Ask the CEO here on the Humanity First podcast, email askceo at bamsey.org. Peter, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Take care. All right, this is the Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan.